Welcome to 25 Stocks of Christmas presented by Chit Chat Money. Today we are having Jim Gillies on the show and we're going to be talking Nelnet. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a unique company and you and I both came away really liking it. Yeah, it's interesting. It has a unique business, unique cash flows, um, a unique capital allocation strategy and that's right up Jim's alley apparently. He runs a few services that he talks about at The Motley Fool, yeah. and we enjoyed it a lot. And then before we get started, though, we got to do the 7 Investing Partnership, correct? We don't have to do. We get to we do. Get to do it. Right. We get we to do it. We have our partnership with uh, 7 Investing. You can use the code CCM at checkout, and you get $10 off your first month. We just got another one yesterday, so we're rolling in it because we get that kickback. <laughs> uh, so if you want to help us out, feel free to do that. Not and to mention they have great analysis, so it's well worth the money. Uh, exactly, yeah. $7 for your first month. Great team over there. That's all I can say. Yeah. All right. Here's your interview. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Today, we are welcomed by Jim Gillies, lead advisor for Hidden Gems Canada, a Motley Fool service. I actually met Jim uh, this summer in my internship at the Motley Fool. Uh, so, Jim, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me, guys. And you are talking Nelnet today. How did you find this company? Uh, that's a really great question that I don't yeah. have an answer to. Uh, it resonated with me. I read a lot of blogs. I follow a lot of Twitter feeds. I read a lot of you know publications and newspapers. And I probably about six months ago, I kind of came across on on a blog or something. I looked at it and they mentioned it was out of Nebraska. And so uh, it, it, I, I started poking around at it, and uh, it quickly became my second favorite company out of uh, Nebraska. Um, oh, first one, maybe Berkshire, right? First, first one's a little larger and yeah. run by a couple of uh, ninety-plus-year-olds. But yeah, it's uh, it was. I, I found the story fascinating. Right, right. Okay, and then it is kind of a mini conglomerate a bit. I know they have one business that's quite large, but can you explain what Nelnet does? Because I think when someone looks at it originally, they're going to be like, I have no idea how this business even works. Well, and Brady, that that's kind of the hook here. Um, my investment style is uh, I want you to say what the hell whenever I recommend something or look at something. Uh, you know, so I like confusing. I like the contrarian, special situations, that sort of thing. There's plenty of growth investors out there, but there's not a lot of what the hell is this investors. And, and so this company falls very well into what the hell is this? Uh, it's a collection of businesses. It's a collection of, um, uh, you know, we'll call it, um, uh, how do I put this? A, a, a lot of call options, if you will, a lot of uh, kind of almost venture capital bets. There's a really strong um, business hidden under a giant pile of student loans that's largely matched with debt, which will scare practically anyone off. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is the this is the confusing stuff. If you look at this company, and I'm I'm going to roughly make up the numbers um, because I don't have my spreadsheet 
that part of it open in front of me. But, you know, you look at this company and if I tell you, you know, your basic screen is it's got about 75 million in cash and close to 20 billion in debt. And it's a two and a half, $3 billion company. Most people go, well, that's it for me. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and that reaction is wrong in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Can you explain like uh, how this student loan stuff works? Like what part of the process are they actually in? I know there's some part that uh, the government actually took over, but they're going to be doing for like a decade longer. Can you uh, just shed some more, shed some more light on that? Sure. Well, it's probably best to split the student loan part into kind of two pieces. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and, and you're giving away my secret sauce with the, the part that the government took over or split away. Um, but they, they basically, um, there's a bunch of different uh, um, pieces to this business. They've all got, you know, like little three-letter three acronyms. So this is, we're going to call this uh, Nelnet Diversified Services or NDS. This is their student loan origination and servicing arm. They get paid on a per account basis and they work for the federal government and for state agencies and for banks and other fintech companies. And at the end of the last year, uh, they were doing nearly, or they were servicing nearly half a trillion dollars in loans, but 475 billion, I think, um, for over 15 million customers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they that, that's not nothing, right? Right. And, and you get, uh, you know, there's various revenues from that. It's it's a it's a reasonably growing business. I think it did about. I mean, it's not it's not going to knock the lights out, but it's 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 been reasonably growing a couple percent a year. Uh, and they're, and they're just the servicing. Now the problem is and I went my valuation process, I almost value this business, which I just mentioned is doing half a trillion dollars a year, uh, or servicing half a trillion dollars a year in, in, in loan. Um, I, I had 450 million ballpark revenue for them. I almost value this business as a zero. Really? which again is right. What the hell is this? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be the theme. Hopefully you can take some mild cursing. Um, <laughs> no worries. But the, but the, the idea is so, so they basically have a, had a couple of contracts with the government, um, which we won't get into the, the weeds of these things, but they basically lost both of them. Uh, and so now the government doesn't sound like they have a, um, a plan really <laughs> to, to replace them. Um, and they've already, the government has already pulled, uh, the ripcord on extending one of the contracts through to mid 2021. Um, and there's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bet you coffee, uh, they're gonna, they're probably going to vote to extend the next one and Nelnet's going to fight to probably get these back, but assume that goes away because we don't need it. We don't, we don't need it in the investment case, but so assume their largest, highest revenue part of the business goes away. Um, you know, they still serve, uh, they still service various federal private education and consumer loans. Uh, that business is about $50 billion as opposed to, it's about like one ninth, one tenth the size of the big government business. Um, and that's about 50 billion loans for about two, uh, two million borrowers. Um, so that business will stick around. So maybe you want to throw a bit of valuation in for that, but I assume the government business is gone, you know, and so call it a zero if you want, that's cool. Um, but that's the ongoing student business. Now, what you were referring to earlier was the business, uh, the types of loans that have been gone uh, for uh, nearly a decade. And that is, we're going to call it the um, uh, Nelnet Financial Services, NFS, as opposed to NDS. 
This is the big pile of student loans on the balance sheet. It's about 19 and a half billion, I think. Okay. Um, it's about 19 and a half, 20 billion, somewhere in there. They, they, they own both the, the loans as assets. And of course there's a, a matching debt against a lot of that. But you know, that that's kind of the kicker of, of why you want to invest here because this giant pool of student loans, basically this thing is uh, this pile of student loans. This is a slowly melting ice cube or slowly amortizing ice cube, I suppose. Um, and so it's about 19 and a half billion. I think last time I checked uh, a year ago, it was like 21 and a half a year before that it was almost 23. The vast majority of these uh, loans of this loan portfolio, uh, like I'm talking 98% of it uh, is backstopped by a federal government guarantee uh, of between 97 and a hundred percent. So there's almost zero default risk here for, for Nelnet. Wow. And See, I told you it was fun. That is, that, is, that is a little bit exciting. Okay. Well, you, you, want, you want me to make it better? Yeah, for, yeah. Okay. You guys are students or you've recently been students. It's been a while for me. Um, the student loans, you, when, you, when you take out a student loan, it's generally at a, at a fixed interest rate, right? Mm-hmm. The financing is at a floating interest rate. What have interest rates done this year? Oh, right. They've cratered. Right. right. Yeah. So, Nelnet earns a spread. Okay. So their spread as interest rates have dropped, their spread has widened. Okay. So okay. interest that's, rates that's, falling or interest rates falling is actually a good thing for Nelnet. When in yep. most cases it's a bad thing for someone that's servicing loans like this. And so for when, this for this portfolio, yes, it is. Okay. So when investors look at the most recent earnings uh, letter and they see that net income is up a hundred percent year over year, that's what that's pretty much what is responsible for that, right? Yeah, there, there's a lot of accounting. I'll use the word chicanery, even though chicanery implies something negative. It's not, it's the, the accounting obscures what's actually going on here. Okay. okay. You know, and I live with an accountant, so I, I'll routinely tell her that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you, know, oh, well, you know, we have once had a two-hour enhanced discussion about the proper way to recognize deferred tax assets. So, our liabilities <laughs> rather. Yeah, my house, my house knows how to party. Um, yeah, so, but no, it, it gets better. Not only is this, this largely default rate, not only is interest rates, the, the drop in interest rates or the drop to a low interest rate environment good for Nelnet, but how long are interest rates going to stay low? I mean, I've seen various things that poke you out through to 2023. Yeah. Okay. Now here's the second kicker. If you, you can go in go look at their filings, they will actually tell you what their forecast is for when they expect the cash flows for this nearly $20 billion, um, you know, portfolio to roll in. Now, of course, they don't get some of it. They don't get all of it because something has to pay off the securitization against it. Uh, but you get a reasonable forecast here. And so at the start of 2020, there was expectation that the total cash flow to um, Nelnet would be just shy of $1.9 over the next 20 years. Okay. okay. As of the most recent quarter, because interest rates have dropped, even, and, and they've already collected three quarters of cash on this. But the, that number has gone from 1.98 or sorry, 1.89 billion to the forecast is now 2.26 billion. So they've actually collected cash for nine months so far in 2020. And the expect, expected forecast has gone up. And that's a result of that spread I told you about. 
But then if I told you that of that 2.26 billion, um, let me just double check here, make sure I'm quoting you the right number. Um, 1.37 billion or 61% of it is going to come in in the next four and a quarter years. So near, nearly two thirds of it comes in in the first five years, most of which we are expecting to be um, in a reasonably low interest rate environment. So this is incredibly front loaded. This cash flow forecast. Okay. Okay. And with a with a with an almost guaranteed like you know ninety eight percent of it backstop by a government guarantee of ninety seven to one hundred percent. What kind of a discount rate you want to put on that in a low interest rate environment for valuation purposes? Yeah, I mean pretty low. Yeah, low. I, I so, think I'd agree on low. that. So they're guaranteed essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the business right now is valued somewhere around uh, two point six. Yeah, two point six, two and a half. Yeah. Um, so they're guaranteed about fifty percent of their market cap or enterprise value in cash flow, and so you're essentially betting that they're going to be able to allocate that capital into other investments. Well, correctly. Correct. Okay. I, I've got for the next five and a quarter years. So I'm throwing the next, the last quarter of 2020, and then the next five years. If this forecast remains static, mm-hmm. and like I said, it's gone up this year, but I'm I'm assuming we're not going to get negative interest rates. I'm assuming that you know the interest rates will stay flat and probably start creeping up over the next five years. But it still it works out fairly well here. Um, I'm looking at about a $42 a share in cash coming in in the next five and a quarter years. And we haven't talked about any of the other businesses here. And I've already thrown out most of the loan business, like I told you. Right, right. And then, so I guess the other thing to consider are, you know, what are these other businesses that they have or any minority investments? And then what has management said their goal is, uh, you know, for, I mean, this one point, what is it, six or 1.3 billion in cash flow they're going to come, that's going to come in. Are they going to do repurchases? Um, Are they going to pay it out as dividends or are they uh, just trying to invest in other cash flow businesses? Yes, 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 and yes. Okay. That, that, that is basically the, this is a really interesting business because it's they are all, they almost don't care about uh, the Wall Street story. They, 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 there's no attention being paid here. So they do pay a dividend, pay a modest dividend. Um, I don't have the yield in front of me. It's yeah, one one plus percent. I think um, we could look it up, or or your listeners could go look it up. Right. Um, they they have occasionally paid out a special dividend because insiders here have a not insignificant part of the business. Um, I believe it's on the 40 to 45% level. Um, mainly one of the co-founders and then the estate of the other co-founder uh, who passed away, uh, I think about two years ago at a relatively young age. I think he was in his 60s. Um, so uh, there is a... Uh, like that other Nebraska business down the street, these guys are headquartered in Lincoln, Nebraska. There's someone down the road in Omaha, Nebraska, about an hour away, um, who who has a fairly um, similar level of ownership interest. And he, of course, uh, uh, has enjoys being out of the Wall Street eye. I think these guys do as well. Uh, but these guys are much, much smaller, obviously. They pay a modest dividend. They have been buying back shares in the first half of the year. I think they took out about 3.5% of the company. Uh, they didn't do much in Q3, which was a little weird to me. But, uh, you know, it's not like they're not going to get more of an opportunity. They were, But they were really uh, active, I think, in uh, the first half, especially in Q2. Um, and then, you know, management talks about... Uh, they're, they actually give you a really nice, some of their filings, I'm, I'm not too sure which document it is, 
it's either the annual report, maybe the uh, the management information circular every year that comes with the proxy, but they give you like a rolling seven year depiction of where they've thrown their capital. Mm-hmm. You know, they they are very keyed in on uh, doing a good job of capital allocation, and why shouldn't they be? Because it's their money tied up in it. Like I said, about 45 percent, I think, is uh, is the uh, ownership interest. I'm just going to look that up. Yeah, I got it at about 44 percent. So okay. there you go. And so what do you think of, I mean, it sounds like it bears a passing resemblance to the other company in Nebraska. They're just generating cash flow in a different way. This is from uh, loans versus insurance. But mm-hmm. what do you think of management broadly? Because you're essentially betting on management, right? You're betting yes. on their ability to ca- uh, allocate capital. Um, I, I think highly of management, perhaps not as highly as that other company down the road, but of course that other company down the road is kind of a special case. Yeah. Um, these guys have had uh, less of an, of an operating history by want of being significantly younger than Mr. Buffett. Um, you know, and, and they, uh, I, I do think well of, of the current chairman and the current CEO. They've also brought in some, some of what I'll call their venture their venture bets, they've got a couple, one which we mentioned before we started recording, uh, where they have the gentleman who's in charge of that one particular venture bet is on their board. Uh, they, they are very keyed in on, on intelligent capital allocation. That includes dividends, rep- stock buybacks. Uh, they did some debt buybacks when they had some debt. Uh, they've got, again, a lot of uh, venture stuff. They've got... Um, uh, a, a couple of other lines of business which we haven't even talked about yet, um, you know, and and they've made very sporadic acquisitions, but still everything is, you know, held up through this capital allocation lens, and then they present it to you and say, look at how we've done. But we are going to hit a good quick break, <laughs> and then we're going to try to poke some holes in your thesis. Bring it on. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? (sighs) All blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back in. Now we're going to do Devil's Advocate. We've done this on the show before, but for anyone that doesn't know, we've presented some sort of counterpoints uh, to try to poke holes in Jim's thesis, um, and we're going to let him try to refute them. So the first one for me is a lot of college classes are online right now. And so there's been a lot of talk about oh, I'm not going to pay as much for school and whatnot, stuff like that. And so if there's pricing pressure from college, they may see a decline in lending, which would negatively impact Nelnet. Will it though? I, I've literally, I mean, like I, I've already kind of headed you off, right? I mean, because I've said basically the one part of this business giant pile of loans they've got, that's not mm-hmm. going imp- to, a, a reduction in less lending and lower student borrowing lower costs that's irrelevant for that pile of loans those loans were made 10 15 plus years ago and they're just slowly amortizing ice cube and on the other front i've said well this servicing stuff the government already kind of did that for you and and gutted uh gutted that part of the business which i'm fully willing to say is worth zero or very very little 
because of, you know, let's assume those two large government contracts are gone, the 15 plus million borrowers, the 445 or 450 billion dollars or 475, whatever I said earlier, billion dollars worth of loans. Let's assume those also go away. We're not going to be servicing those anymore. And we're just doing the small amount of loans. I'm like, I'm fine with that. Right. right. So, I mean, yeah. I, to me, to me, and, and I, I mentioned there's a couple of other lines of business here that we haven't even talked about. Right. Okay. And maybe after my next counterpoint here, we can sure. discuss those for a bit. Uh, this yep. one, I think you may have already answered. So I guess I'll frame it in a slightly different way. So there's a lot of talk again about forgiving student loans. There's a lot of talk about making college free, uh, you know, public college at least free. Does that impact the interest income they're going to earn on these loans or would that actually be a benefit where they're going to get all that cash flow in at once except and, and not over the next decade? Right. And that's what would happen. Okay. Uh, I will, I will happily, I will happily, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a Canadian, so my, my student loans situation isn't what your student loan situation is down there. Uh, but I will happily say to your federal government, if they want to call me up, by all means, forgive the, the student loan. You can write a check to Nelnet for the loans that were made 10 and 20 years ago. Because someone will have to make good on those obligations. Yeah. Right? You just can't. Yeah. You just can't turn to Nelnet and go, "Yeah, we know you own these, but you know, you know, we're not going to pay you. The government's going to default on that." I mean, that that would probably not sit well with uh, various uh, legal challenges Nelnet would mount. Yeah. Uh, so, but but if you want to make a if you want to make a one time payment of uh, you know nineteen and a half billion dollars to Nelnet and they'll take the cash and pay off their. Uh, their securitizations uh, bring it on <laughs> right yeah i mean so. that sounds that that does sound even like better because i mean you get all that cash flow at once they're going to have the ability to invest in all these businesses now instead of have to having to do it incrementally over the next yep. decade and some and we just had lawrence hamtill on not too long ago and he talked a lot about um when government is reliable for a bill they usually pay their bills. And I think that's sort of the case that we're getting here with Nelnet as well. Yeah. Right? Well, and they also have a printing press too, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> and look, not that, not that 19 and a half, $20 billion is a, is a insignificant amount of money. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not exactly something that the government worry about. Okay. So we have talked about the loan side of the business, but you said, and you've mentioned now that they have other investments as well. Do you want to talk to some of those? Sure. So we've talked about uh, NDS, which is the loan servicing. We talked about NFS, which is the giant portfolio of loans. We haven't talked about Nelnet Business Services. So Nelnet Business Services is education technology services and payment processing. It is uh, basically uh, software as a service business for um, you know, K, private K to 12 schools and over 1300 higher education institutions. These revenues are sticky as in you bring Nelnet's software into your educational institution. You are probably not getting rid of it six months later when a competitor offers you 5% cheaper. Once they're in, they're in. Um, these are, you know, these are good sticky revenue, and it's been a growing business. Uh, coming from 2015 through 2019, uh, NBS compounded revenue at about a 15% clip. They compounded pre-tax income at a 19% clip. Yes, in the first half of the year, the pandemic slowed that growth rate to 1% on the revenue line and 8% on the pre-tax income line. 
that's still not that bad, frankly, given uh, the the slowdowns in so many other areas. Yeah. Um, due to the pandemic, uh, so you know this this is an interesting business line. And oh look, there's a uh, public competitor who we could use as a valuation proxy uh, that is growing slower. So that's interesting to me. They have also what's called Nelnet Communication Services, which is their fiber to the home or fiber to the premises arm serving, uh, passing or serving more than 170,000 households in Nebraska and Colorado. It's also known as Allo, A-L-L-O. Not so sure on, why. On, on the, uh, the sort of the SaaS business, the one for the yep. K through 12, that software, who is using that software? Is that for like uh, administrators or is that for... Yep. Like, Okay. The, the whole institution would, would use it, you know, use it for tuition processing, uh, for um, uh, basic, yeah, well, basically tuition processing and just scheduling everything and making sure that your institution works. At the dog okay. okay. So it's kind of like um, software for the principal's office, essentially. Uh, sure. It's a, okay. good, it's a good way to put it. They okay. mainly are, are in private um, uh, K through 12, as I said. Okay. Um, but uh, they are looking at uh, more higher edu- higher education institutions. Uh, they are looking to go into the um, uh, public sector as well. Obviously, the tuition part of it would would go away because we don't usually pay tuition uh, right. for our yeah. public schools. Um, but they're also looking internationally, and and this is you know this is a business you don't know exists if you don't read the filings. You know this okay. is just it's because because it, again man, this is a big student loan business, right? I mean when I when I first started looking at this business. Uh, I mentioned some of my colleagues at the Motley Fool, and you know the only response I got. Have you ever looked at this? The only response I ever got was, "Oh, Nelnet, they hold my student loan." God, I hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, no, but it's not a student loan business only. Um, so anyway, there's the student, there's the there's the school, the SaaS business again that's kind of hidden. Um, there is the fiber to the home business, which we just got a good idea of what that business is worth because they just sold a majority stake in it. I think they've retained about a 48%. Uh, and that business is, um, I think I've got their segment of that business of the 48, 47% version. That's worth almost 400 million. Wow. So we've got that. Then there's a little business I know you guys are, are familiar with. This is their venture capital bets. They specifically, there's specifically a piece called Huddle. <laughs> yeah. And this is one of this is one of 35 of these what what, what I'll call startup venture bets that are within Nelnet oh. that you don't that you don't know is there. Um, but Huddle's probably the the best one, uh, or certainly the most significant one. The rest of them can go to zero. What do we care? Uh, but uh, Nelnet owns about 20%, just shy of 20% of Huddle. Uh, Huddle's CEO and co-founder, David Graff, is on Nelnet's board. Uh, they've attracted some deep-pocketed co-investors, including Bain Capital. And what Huddle does, you guys already know, it's a sports performance analysis platform. So video analysis, scouting software for professional or minor, minor league college and youth sports. Uh, they claim to have more than 6 million coaches and athletes in 139 countries using their products and services across 160,000 teams in 35 sports. And so, so to, and, to dumb that down for anyone who is not familiar with Huddle, like if you've ever played high school football or there's other sports, other sports as well, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's how you're breaking down film as a team. Or if you want to do a highlight clip because you're trying to play college or something like that, you do that through Huddle. And pretty much – 
every high school I knew or every high school athlete had to use huddle. Yeah. And the coaches all use it as well. Right. There, there was an example in my experience of a coach not using huddle. Um, so it seems like they, they basically have a lock on this, uh, this market. It might not be a giant market, but I don't know that you were stealing your pitch a little bit, but the, uh, oh, it's fun. It, it seems like from our experience, anecdotally, uh, there's, there's no competitors out there. Yeah, Brady, my, my pitch is here is a crazy great business that you've never heard of. Yeah. That's, that's what my pitch is. Uh, and so here, as part of it, you get Huddle. They own 20% of Huddle. And one of the rare things, if you, if you remember your accounting classes, right? Your okay. accounting classes, you, you recognize all losses uh, when probable, but you only recognize gains when they occur. Right. Because right. Of the, the whole principle of conservatism. Again, I live with an accountant. We have these types of conversations. Um, I imagine uh, I, I can envision the, the 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 room at Nelnet. They had to be dragged kicking and screaming here. But in I think it was in Q2. They, they might have been Q1 of this year, but I think it was Q2. They they huddle. Sorry. Nelnet uh, participated in the most recent um, uh, financing round for huddle. They they did throw in some extra capital. They threw in I think about twenty six million. Uh, they had to write up on their books the value of their investment by fifty one million dollars. So basically, um, Huddle just based on the the most recent valuation. At some point, I suspect Huddle uh, because they are dominant, as you say. I suspect at some point this will either be sold to a private equity group. Or maybe we even see it public, and then well, that's how we'll realize the valuation there. But all of this is to say that you know people looking at Nelnet and thinking of it as just a student loan provider. I hope I've shown actually it's not just a student loan provider, and in fact, the student loan, the regular ongoing servicing business, is probably the least interesting part of this company. Okay, so what would have to happen? We'd like to look at the flip side because you're. You're getting us kind of antsy. We like that. Like <laughs> That's my gift, pitch. man. Uh, but what would have to happen for you to sell the business? What, what could go wrong? That's an excellent question. I'm not sure yet. They would have to do some sort of a demonstrable stupidity in um, cash allocation, capital allocation. Um, you know, and and I'm, we don't see that. Of course, the best predictor of uh, the future is is to what look at what they've done in the past. Uh, compensation is reasonable. I mean, it's it's nice. We'd all like it, I think. But you know, management mm -hmm. compensation is not egregious. Um, you know, I haven't even mentioned them getting a bank charter, which they did. Um, you know, which is also I'm valuing at zero. Maybe they get something. Um, you know, uh, in terms of pulling out. Uh, uh, you know, d making deals that are weighted heavily to management payoff and not so much to their shareholders. I could see that ticking me off enough to make me sell. Uh, I'm I'm very much the kind of guy who's in the um, who's who's drank the Kool Aid, if you will. Of I'd probably be better off if I never sold anything ever, and that includes my losers. Um, uh, and, I, and I'm and I'm not a go-go growth kind of investor kind of guy. So I mean, uh, you know, we can probably throw that. I know a lot of people. The the, the present market environment that we're in says uh, is really uh, tilted towards growth, um, and money losing growth usually. Uh, but I, I kind of look at this and go, they'd have to make um, some really bad uh, or self-serving capital allocation decisions where I felt disenfranchised from the benefit. 
And uh, I'm, I'm not sure we'll see that, but that would be one way for it to do it. The other thing that would make me potentially sell uh, is extreme overvaluation. Um, and even in those situations, I think uh, because, you know, I hold my null net in a taxable account, so I would have to pay my government uh, a fine portion of my gain, uh, which I might not want to do. And therefore, I would have to reinvest in something where, you know, I would have less money in theory. Um, so I would, you know, when I say extreme valuation, the stock today is at 70 bucks. Um, I can make a very reasonable case that it's worth in the mid 80s today, mid to high 80s. I think you can make a case it's worth almost 100 today if you give them credit for that business, the student loan business that's going away. Um, and so I, you know, when I say extreme valuation, you'd probably have to give me well over 120, probably 140. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And then last question we'd like to wrap up here. If you were, you know, made king of Nelnet for a day, <laughs> uh, what is one change you'd like to see them to make? I know it's a little different for this type of business because it's really like, all right, we're betting on the capital allocation, but um, anything that you, you know, you'd change? Get your story out there. Uh, the story is not out there. There's, they, they are, almost a completely a Lincoln, Nebraska story. And look, Lincoln, Nebraska is a fine town. Uh, I, I've been there when I was, you know, at a Berkshire Hathaway meeting a num good number of years ago, uh, you know, cause it's only an hour away and we went out for a drive, um, you know, but it's like everyone from the board, practically everyone is from, from uh, Lincoln. It's Lincoln only. And no one's heard of it. And like I said, when I, when I did mention it, the Motley Fool, um, the only response I got from from coworkers was, "Oh, they had my student loans. I hate those guys." Uh, Ryan, I don't know if you participated uh, when, uh, during your internship. You knew that we had the the the, the Fool Research Database, uh, Fool IQ. Right. Um, but you know, one of the favorite things I do, like like you know, if you're gonna go you're gonna go talk about a company like uh, I don't know uh, Tesla or Apple, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's already a bazillion things in the database from various analysts. Like I'm I'm gonna add no value, frankly. Um, but when I can find companies that aren't even in the database because no one in the entire history of the Motley Fool's research database existence has ever looked at them, that excites me, and that was Nelnet. And among others, actually, but we're only talking about Nelnet today. Right. That's, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we don't use the full database, but anytime I tweet something out on Twitter and it gets, like, no likes, it kind of turns me on to the idea that maybe people aren't following it and maybe it's less efficient. Yeah, exactly. I'd agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and, and that's just it. Like, if, if you can find – or uh, the other thing I would say is if, uh, if you find a story uh, where everyone knows the outcome – like, everyone already knows it, right? Mm -hmm. And so if everyone already knows it, no one does any work to verify it. Right. Right. And uh, we, we could talk about that another date because that's another kind of favorite kind of hunting ground. As we know, when everybody okay. knows something, someone's probably not thinking too hard and it might be worth your while going to verify the story. Maybe you'll find out the company's terrible and maybe you'll find out it's actually better, a better story than you thought it was. Right. It's, it's kind of like that Mark Twain quote. Um, I think that it's popularized yep. by the big short. It's right. It's what you don't, it's what you, I'm going to mess it up. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so right. That That's, is correct. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, that was Nelnet, and that was Jim Gillies. Jim, where can uh, listeners find you or find any of the content that you put out? 
Sure. Uh, so I am the lead advisor for Motley Fool Hidden Gems Canada. So it's because uh, I, I mentioned I am Canadian. I've been with the Fool for 15, almost 16 years now. Nice. Um, and uh, I hang my hat in Canada. But uh, what most people don't realize south of the border, aside from the fact that Canada is like a whole different country, um, <laughs> is that uh, Canadian the Canadian equity market is only about 3% of the world equity market. So we're big, strong advocates that Canadians need to invest outside the U.S. So our frontline services in Canada, Hidden Gems, Stock Advisor, uh, half of our stock picks are U.S. because, you know, go where the stocks are. So uh, so Hidden Gems Canada, uh, I make guest appearances in Stock Advisor Canada and the other Canadian services. Uh, I'm a regular guest on Market Foolery. If any of your listeners are uh, Motley Fool subscribers to anything, they have access to Motley Fool Live. I'm a regular guest on Motley Fool Live, including the morning show, uh, as well as the Canadian Power Hour, which we do every couple of weeks, in which I'm doing in about 45 minutes after we finish recording. Nice. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm out there and I'm on Twitter at uh, at at Jim P. Gillies. So you can trash talk me there. It's cool. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, sweet. Uh, we want to remind our listeners that we are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, listeners, for listening. We'll see you next time. 